welcome to the Homemaker Chic Podcast. We are rescuing the art of homemaking from the daily grind with red lips and no jumpers. I'm Angela Reed of Parisian Farm Girl, and I'm joined by the lovely Shay Elliott of the Elliott Homestead. The Homemaker Chic Podcast is where you can be best friends before you've even met. <laughs> it is quite the love story, if I do say so myself. Yes, it is. I love you. I love you, too. And we are very excited to be here with all of you on the inaugural episode of our podcast. I would argue a podcast that's been a long time coming. Uh, yes, a long time coming, <laughs> even though we didn't know that. That's until true. Until the other day. That's true. But lest we get ahead of ourselves... We want to introduce you to who we are, who you're going to be hearing from in this podcast. But Angela, I have to know, what are you sipping? I am sipping a lovely Bordeaux, a big, bad, masculine Bordeaux. That's how I like to describe my wines. And you. (laughs) Okay. First episode in, and I've already shown my inadequacy to be your friend because I have a red wine. And that's as much as I know about it. I know it's good. I know it comes from a little winery somewhere in Spain. But I didn't take the time to read the label because it was one of those days. Okay. So. You'll pass. I'm actually double fisting. I also have some Pellegrino here, just in case. I just drank my last bottle of Pellegrino yesterday and it was a sad sad moment. (laughs) There's two more weeks till the grocery run for the big refill. That stings. Mm -hmm. That stings. So for those of you who don't know us very well, which I can't imagine you'd be listening if you don't, but alas, let's let's start them off, Ange, with kind of the broad view of how we met and why we wanted to do this podcast. Great. I Not that you have to answer both of those. I'm sorry. That was a lot to throw on your plate. I'm <laughs> going to cut you off because I want to introduce how we met, if that's fine with you. Because there was a period of my life where I was living in... Lower Alabama with my husband who was teaching and we had two little kids and didn't have two nickels to rub together. So poor. (laughs) And during that time, I found Angela's blog online and it was a way for me to live vicariously through her because we lived in this old fishing shack where there were cockroaches and fleas and sand and it sends shivers up my spine to even think about it. But it was during that time that, you know, I go online and I see this beautiful brunette who has decked out her living room with, you know, textured walls and old antiques. And I just thought, my God, who is this woman? And basically crushed on her for a good couple of years until one day I reached out to her and I said, Angela, can I please have your phone number? I really want to talk to you. And she gave it to me, which I mean, that's like giving your number to some drunk guy in a bar. Like, that's a very dangerous thing to do. You didn't know me. What were you thinking? Oh, I was remembering. Well, we did collab on a few articles for my old magazine. Oh, that's true. I forgot about that. But I don't. That's true. I didn't know that you knew who I was I didn't know who you were I remember I can still see your pictures I can still see your blue and white dishes so what she's saying is while I was swooning over her she didn't know who I was in a flea infested shack let me paraphrase (laughs) (laughs) 
so when the t- text message came through and you asked for my phone number, I said, well, I, I know this name. Of course. Of course she can have my phone number. Was a good and decision. And let's be real. By that point, you were the Shay Elliott. So let's be real. It it worked. It all worked out. So Angela and I became business partners six years ago uh, when we began to run our doTERRA businesses together and have continued to work closely throughout that last six years. And in that time have just become bosom buddies. I just don't think there's a better word for it. Um, sisters from other misters, perhaps. What did you say? I said sisters from other misters. Oh my heaven. What? Is that not a say? I've never heard that. Well, listen, you culture me in many ways and now I'm here to culture you. I'm legit now. <laughs> Let me take you to my side of the tracks here. So Angela and I live 2,000 miles away from one another. We get to see each other three times a year if we're lucky, usually more like two, Um, but very much do life together, very much share philosophies, um, share life, really, as much as you can, sharing life, you know, through phone calls and text messages. Our blogs are very similar, wouldn't you say? I think so. I mean, they, I believe they have a very similar message and a similar aesthetic and uh, something that we're each trying, we're each trying to portray our home life and not inaccurately. I mean, I think really what people see on our each of our blogs, that's really what's going on. And we show the beautiful and we show the dirt piles on the floor. But I do, mm-hmm. I do think they're really similar. Yeah. So why not combine our efforts So the reason that we really wanted to do this podcast was because we've both been blogging for, and you're a little over 10 years, I'm almost 10 years, a long time. We've said a lot of things, and yet we've never been able to say things in, what, more than a thousand words? Because we're just limited, literally, by how fast our fingers can type and how much time we have. There are 10 children between the two of us, and so blogging that used to come easy is a little bit harder now. So... You know, frankly, Ange, I just wanted to like, I want to be able to hash these things out with you. These are the stuff, this is the stuff that we talk about anyway, all the time. And I think, I know you get a lot of questions like, tell me about homeschooling. Tell me about gardening. Let's talk Mm -hmm. perennial lists. Let's talk about your daily life. Let's talk about, you know, anything under the sun that we're just so bound by what we can do on the blog. And the podcast just breaks that ceiling that blogging has. I think that's exactly what it's going to do. And I, I'm excited, you know, we're going to have this arena. Now we have this arena. Homemaker Chic is going to be an arena for you and I and for our listeners. And we're going to be able to just flesh out all these ideas. Yes. And the dirty, create, deep details of them. <laughs> dirty, right. And create visuals with our words um, in a different way. Not, not the written word, but in, in this new way. Yeah. It's exciting. Before we can really dive into a lot of the material that we want to dive into I really would I think it'd be good if we kind of introduced ourselves and what the heck we're doing and who we are so that people have some context who maybe haven't found us through the blog I did start the blog quite a few years ago Aiden was three months old when I started the blog so yikes that means it's 14 years old (laughs) but I I started because it was right when Facebook was really kicking up and getting popular and I was getting a lot of pressure from family 
to go onto Facebook. But all I was seeing was like people posting what they had for dinner. And I just thought, I don't want to play this game. I'm not going to report what I do all day long to my mom and my aunt and my grandma, but I will start a blog and I'll put pictures there that can be more evergreen, that can be appreciated for a longer period of time. I can share pictures of Aiden as he's growing and what shall I call it? And so I just, Parisian Farm Girl just immediately came to me, the name, because I think it really describes sort of everything that's, it sort of encapsulates everything that's going on in my mind when I put my hand to something creative. And I have this love of refinement and high-end things and the royal family and all these I knew you were going to say that. I know. You knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. <laughs> you knew it was coming. Oh. I love that. And that, you know, we can get into that later. But that's, <laughs> you know, how my, that's how my mama raised me. <laughs> and she also raised me. She's the daughter of a farmer. So I also grew up on my grandparents' farm and being exposed to that culture and country music and pickup trucks and skull rings. And I just feel so Uh, comfortable in both places. And so I thought, oh, I'm going to call the blog Parisian Farm Girl. And I sat up straight in bed in the middle of the night that first night. You know, I made it on like blogspot.com or something. And I sat up in bed and realized I'm going to spell it the feminine way with the I-E-N-N-E just to be more obnoxious. (laughs) (laughs) And you know, 99% of your blog readers wouldn't know the difference, right? Right. It just looked prettier, but boy, is it a pain to spell my email address out at the <laughs> bank. You know? It's awful. So that's how that came about. And we um, we were remodeling this home and I was really just getting my feet wet with um, French inspired interior design, even you know, more European, anything, British, European, French, you know, pick your country. Um, But I was really developing that and just kind of going from room to room. And it was at a point in the decor world where if you said French, that meant you had like a uh, bon appetit sign over (laughs) your stove, you know, or you had uh, an arrangement of knick-knack Eiffel Towers or, or a French poster or something. Was this before and, or after the shabby chic phase? This was right in the heyday of the okay. shabby chic phase. I remember like Rachel Ashwell and Jennifer Lopez, they made a restaurant together and like, I would think it was like right in the heyday. Okay. So I wanted to, I wanted an authentic look. I didn't want a TJ Maxx French look in my home and that was really, really challenging, and it, it took a long time, and sometimes I look back on choices I made, and I cringe, but I think that just really just started this whole tra- trajectory yeah. for me. I mean, looking and, back um, with looking back with that feeling, that's true for design, it's true for hair, mm-hmm. it's true for clothes. Right. Right. I wouldn't beat yourself up over that. No, no. I, no, It's it had to happen. It always has to happen. You always have to make those those initial decisions that you look back and go, well, that was a, <laughs> a growing phase. Yes. Do you remember my uh, mustard yellow bedroom? Yes. That was just last year. So you're welcome right. for making yourself feel better. <laughs> <laughs> we all have mustard yellow bedrooms somewhere, Shay. <laughs> I 
have got a mustard yellow bedroom in the hallway, <laughs> only it's a hideous sage green. <laughs> so now you're in Door County, your dream county. And what I love about where you're at now, it, by the way, is it actually a county or is that just what they call the town? Oh, no, this is a, a, a huge county. It starts. This is a real county. Okay. 40 minutes south of here. Yeah, it goes all the way to the top of the island. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, gotcha. So when you were still living down in Illinois, and at that time you weren't really sure where you were going to land, you knew you wanted to land in Door County, um, but you were looking, do you remember this? You were looking all over for Mm -hmm. different properties. And I remember saying, there's no other place that you can actually be. Unless you go to Paris, Right. it has to be Door County for you. That that is so true. Because I even even looked in Washington. Remember, I got got so desperate. I was pushing for it. I got so desperate because we just couldn't find anything up here. And I found that beautiful piece of property, but I think it was like three hours from you with a river. And I kind of had it in my mind that it would be so incredible to name my property Trianon Farms and a river runs through it. (laughs) Okay, let me just let me help our audience here a little bit because you must know something about Angela. And that is she is a wordsmith. I mean, some women want diamonds. She wants those too. But she also wants every word to sound luxurious and fabulous and sexy. And you would name your farm that. I literally was watching Monty Don the other night and I almost grabbed a notebook and I just wanted to write down individual beautiful words he was saying. Oh, those British. I love words. I do love words. It's one you of do. the reasons I like Nigella because she she uses such beautiful words. She does. And she has, mm-hmm. you know, just a beautiful way of saying them. Mm-hmm. And words just sound prettier when you have an accent. It's just the way it is. It's true. It's, her- yeah. it's true. So I don't know what that really told you. I guess it told you how I came up with the blog name yeah. and a little bit about the design style. That whole time I was having babies like a mad woman. Mm, so many and babies. So many babies. And that's what set me on my personal my personal desire to have a farm and to learn how to grow vegetables because I realized, wow, these little buggers are expensive. <laughs> that's and, true. <laughs> and I better learn how to grow vegetables. <laughs> One of my very favorite moments of our friendship thus far, since this is our love story episode, I feel okay sharing this. Okay. So we had been friends for years at this point, already just, you know, very much in each other's daily lives. And I weaned my third baby, William. And three days later, I took a pregnancy test. And it was positive. And... <laughs> I wept because much like Angela, I had been having babies for a lot of years, a lot of nursing, a lot of pregnancies, was not physically prepared to have another baby and found myself pregnant. (laughs) So I called her and I said, Angela, what are the chances of a false positive? And she just very frankly said zero. No sugarcoating it. No like beating around the bush, just zero. And I said, Get, come on, give me give me something. And she's like, no, it's zero. And you, this is going to be okay. And this is a blessing. And this is a good thing. And you're going to be fine. And I didn't feel fine, but I cried for a couple of weeks. And then, you know, now I have my beautiful Juliet, who I would, of course, not trade for the world. The funny part of the story comes in that, <laughs> you know where this is going. Karma. About three, was it three months later? 
It was three months later. I get a phone call from Angela and she is hysterical. And she said, well, I joined your stupid club. And I said, what club? And she goes, the I don't want to be pregnant club. <laughs> and I remember so deeply trying to console you and like, it's going to be okay. You're going to be fine. You know, children are a blessing. This is a great thing. And you were not having it. I don't know if I've ever heard you quite so distressed. I, yeah. <sighs> and to the listener, like, please give me or each of us a huge... <laughs> portion of grace okay we love it's our not, babies it's love not them. for me it's not the child it's the pregnancy mm-hmm. I just yep didn't know how I could do that again because it's so awful for me yes and that's what I just thought I just you know have you ever heard me say I can't do this I'm not an I can't do it I, you aren't either no. you know neither of us say the word can't that's an ugly word. That's an ugly word. Yes. But that's a swear word in our house. That's a swear word. We don't say can't. Um, but I used it a lot for those first few months. I just could not wrap my head around doing that again. Yeah. I mean, so, when you're tying a grocery bag to the steering wheel so that you can barf in it while you're driving. While you're driving. I mean, come on. <laughs> There's nothing glamorous about There's, that. That's that's pretty low. But that's pretty low. Our babies, that was three and a half, I guess almost four. Oh my gosh, like almost five years ago. Because I'm doing this. Obviously, I'm amazing at math, but <laughs> Juliet is gonna be four in April and you know, nine months pregnancy. That's pretty close to five years. See? Right. There's a lot of children in our worlds, a lot of farming, a lot of blogging. <laughs> A lot of farm animals. <laughs> There's a lot of farm. Shay, how many animals do you have? Ooh, what a question. Um, I have my dairy cow, Cece, who I love dearly. And she has a little heifer calf. Heifer is a female calf. And her name is Lucy. We always give our Aww. animals such sweet names. Then we, we, ha- we have a little small herd of Katahdin sheep that we raise for me. And we have Eleanor and Gwen and Noel. And they are our breeding ewes. So Noel recently had a little lamb who we named Monty. He is a very sweet little ram lamb. And then Eleanor and Gwen look like they are going to explode any day. So speaking of pregnancy woes, they're like out of breath while they're eating. You know, they're just (laughs) I have such empathy for pregnant animals because you just know that feeling and their bellies are just hanging so low and their udders are Mm -hmm. full of milk. So They'll they'll be going pretty soon. So we keep we keep pretty pared down in the winter time. But I mean, honestly, you know chicken math. You've heard that chicken. Yeah, that's I'm failing that. Okay, subject. so I could never tell you. What would you guess your chicken count is at currently? It's bad. I mean, it's it's not a lot, but I just don't know. I mean, mine could be anywhere. I would say from thirty to eighty. Oh my. That's no, mine's not that. Mine's. <laughs> I didn't replenish mine last year, so uh, maybe twenty-five plus ducks and geese. Ducks and geese too. Yes, ducks and geese. That yeah. adds a, I would say, another three dozen. Quite a few. Quite to your answer. A few cats, a dog. Um, but 
you know, wintertime is not that fun of a time for animals. So we raise pigs a lot as well, but not during the winter anymore. We gave that up years ago. Um, but I'm really happy with our farm size. You know, we went through a period where we got really big because we could. We were starting to gain our footing and get more confidence in what we were doing. And we thought, oh, we're going to have this animal and that animal. And um, we realized quickly that doing that and homeschooling <laughs> and renovating an old farmhouse I mean, it's just a lot. Gosh, it was just a lot. And so we just kind of had to shed some of that. But our animal count now is, it's good. It feels balanced where it is. Good. I uh, I love your cow. She's so beautiful. She's so sweet. I mean. I need, I need a CC. Listen, I know this sounds really weird if you've never milked an animal. But a cow's udder, it's, <laughs> it's good. That's so wrong. I know what you're going to say. It's like a big ba- boobs are comforting. No, it's they just are. Like- <laughs> but it's it's like a baby. It's like oh. it's like every morning you get to go and snuggle a baby that gives you milk. And I know that sounds so weird. But a baby that gives you milk. That's not I was thinking you were going with like the warm breast. Put your well, head on are. your mother's breast and be comforted. Well, you know how you touch your baby's Avenue. skin and it's so soft yeah. and like it, the sound, like it's quiet out, you know, it's just Stu and I, and mm-hmm. we're out there milking into the bucket by hand. So it's just like that, ch, 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 that sound. Ch, ch. Yeah. And it's therapeutic. And I get so happy. It's like I'm holding a baby. Maybe that's more of an accurate way to say that. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. I don't care. I, I'm going to stand by it, actually. I retract what I just said. I'm going to stand by it. Um, I never felt that way milking a goat. <laughs> For the okay. record. Goats. Listen, they're annoying. I'm not a goat person. Yeah. P- people always think my sheep are goats and it, it makes me offended. I'm like, this is not they, a goat farm. They do the same to me. I'm like, those are my beautiful sheep. Yes. They are not a goat. Yes. Well, not goats. It, maybe it's that beauty, you know, the mother thinks her baby's cute kind of a thing. Even if other I also people think th- it's the breed. We each have the same breed, Katahdins, and they aren't, they aren't what maybe you know a non-farmer they don't they don't produce wool fuzz, they don't have that fuzzy that fuzzy look right they're a hair you know, sheep equates. right they're right. a hair sheep so they don't grow a fleece so they i mean they look more goaty than a typical sheep mm-hmm. have you ever seen those sheep and they're typically like in the middle east called the fat tail sheep oh my so. gosh if we had googling abilities right now i would blow your mind because it looks really? like a katahdin it's like a uh-huh. hair sheep. But I, you know, picture a sheep's tail, okay? It looks kind of like a dog's, right? It's about, I don't know, an inch and a half wide, right? Yeah. If you don't dock mm-hmm. it, we don't dock our sheep's tail because no, we don't have we a don't. problem with all that kind of stuff. Um, they're about eight inches long, right? I mean, mm-hmm. kind of like a shorter cat's tail. Well, these fat tail sheep, they look like a katahdin, but they have the head of their tail is like between six to 12 inches wide. Can you picture? Can, can that? you? No, but can you see me? I'm like holding my breath, waiting for you to like. I know something freaky is going to be happening here. That's what it is. It, the oh tail gosh. is 12 inches wide. They're also called fat bottom sheep because they have such a fat deposit in their tail. I mean, you have to Google this. Is it like a paddle? Does basically, it like a paddle? it's like a weird shaped beaver tail kind of a thing, but it's full of fat. <laughs> I'm just saying. Okay. 
Now the song Fat Bottom Girl is going to be in my head all night. That's okay. Thank you for that. That's okay. So That's your class coming through there, (laughs) I know. Listen, I listened to a podcast one time and they were like, you know, the problem with long form podcasts is that no one can be on for that long. So if you choose to do a long form podcast like we're going to do here, where each of our episodes is going to be about an hour or so, we can't be on for that long. We don't have that much energy. And so the good part of that is you get Angie and Shay as if they would just banter normally. The bad part of that is you're probably going to hear things that you don't want to hear. And, you know, we might get a little off topic, but that's okay. Just a touch of the inappropriate. Just to keep a touch things of the inappropriate. Exactly. If as scandalous as we get is fat bottom sheep, then we're... We'll be okay. We'll be okay. We'll be okay. So I started my blog about seven years ago. Started, you know, kind of like Angela to um, share baby pictures and stuff that was going on in our life because my husband's family lives in the South, still live in the South. hey And <laughs> we wanted to stay in contact with them. This was before Instagram and like Pinterest wasn't even a thing back. Actually, it wasn't seven years ago. I'm sorry. It was like nine Almost 10 years ago. There I go. Knocking the math out of the park again. (laughs) Um, But quickly found, you know, the blog was really a beautiful way to develop these homemaking skills that, of course, my mom taught me growing up, but that I hadn't really owned on my own yet. So I had been married for nine months before I got pregnant with Georgia. She was a surprise as well. And so we had Georgia very new into our marriage and she was born on Stuart's first day of college. (laughs) So we had a lot of growing up to do. And so even something like learning to roast a whole chicken or learning to iron laundry, these were things that I just didn't know how to do. And so the blog gave me a place to learn these things and write about them and then, you know, get really excited about them with other people who were also excited about them. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget that period of life because, you know, homemaker, we chose that word very carefully for this podcast because I remember distinctly the first time I felt like a homemaker and it was such a valuable feeling. And it was at Christmas time and I would put Michael Buble on Pandora because that had just come out. Stuart was working. He was stocking grocery shelves at this little, you know, local grocery store for $10 an hour. And. I had put a roast chicken in the oven. I had cleaned up the house and I had this music playing and I thought, oh my gosh, I've just like, I've transformed this space and now it, it feels good and it smells good. And like when he comes home, he's going to be so excited. And I thought, that's it. Like I've arrived. I have officially become a homemaker. And that feeling kind of catapulted the rest of the blog and what we wanted to share as we kind of learned in this journey. So the blog has followed us through college, through four children, moving across country down to Alabama, moving back to a rental farm, then moving uh, where we are now to our little home or little cottage, as we call it, on just two and a half acres in the smack dab middle of Washington state. So it's kind of fun to see how much the last decade has changed both of our worlds. I mean, a decade ago, you were very much a homemaker already. You had already. It's like you came out of the womb like this. Like you just <laughs> you came out of the womb wearing red lipstick. A royalist listening to Bach and knowing Stop how to garden. It. And it just kills me. Stop it. <laughs> you are so funny. I did not come out. I mean, I remember being in the kitchen with my mother. I remember her teaching me the right way to fold 
a uh, bath towel because there is a right way. And I remember those things. Wait, wait, wait. Um, I'm sorry. Tell me how you fold a bath towel. I'm trying to remember from being at your house how it was folded and I can't remember. You hold it long ways. Yes. So, and then you hamburger um, in half. So it's still long ways. No. Yes, you do. Stop it. (laughs) And then you fold it in half that way. And then you fold the edge in so you don't have to see it. And then you fold it over. That's almost like you fold, like you fold bread. Yeah. That's how hotels do it so that you don't have to see the edge. Yeah. You don't need to see the edge. And then when you put it in the linen closet, the edge goes in the back. Yeah. Same with your washcloths. And I, I just have to just, I want to go back really, really quick because we have been friends for six years I've never heard that story about the moment you realized you were a homemaker. Mm. And I've got moves. I have to say, I got a little misty. (laughs) (laughs) You made me tear up. (laughs) I've never heard that story. Yeah. It's fun to come into your own Mm -hmm. in that way. I remember uh, learning to make a roast chicken. Mm -hmm. And that was, that was amazing. Mm -hmm. I felt like Martha Stewart. I mean, that was... Yes. incredible yes I told a big catalyst too because then you're learning stock and then you learn to make risotto with the stock and you just start one thing builds on another totally another, another totally but I didn't come out of the womb wearing red lipstick because I can remember <laughs> the first time I wore it do you remember the first time you wore red lipstick yeah I just felt like a skank I did <laughs> I it wore me it wore me like a glove I did. It was terrible. I also remember the first time I wore high heels, which was not that long ago, by the way. And that was also horrible. Now, okay, <laughs> let me let me back up a little bit, okay? Because okay. In the in the vein of helping you to understand where we're coming from. I grew up in a very I grew up just in town, you know, suburban home, although it was kind of weird in a way because our home was across from a cemetery. So, my playground growing up was a cemetery. <laughs> that's where we rode bikes. That's where we ran through sprinklers. I could tell you every grave that had a picture on it. I know that sounds weird. And it's also where I learned to drive a car. But normal home other than that. And when I went to college, I did running start as a student. So I went to college as a fresh 18-year-old, but I was in junior level classes. So all of my classmates were a lot older than I was. Mm-hmm. And that same year, my parents moved to a little farm outside of town and they got horses and chickens and goats and sort of, you know, grew into this country life. And, you know, OK, I'm thinking of another story since you mentioned skull rings earlier, but remind me of that one at some point in the future. Okay. It's a really okay. good one. Um, so I just kind of grew up with a, you know, a different, I guess, taste for things than than where we are now it was just you know normal americana kind of childhood and then a lot of country thrown in and so i worked at a feedlot believe it or not during college and after college so it was just wranglers and cowboy boots and you know button up plaid shirts and that was all i owned i didn't own a dress i didn't own a skirt i didn't own any shoes other than cowboy boots i didn't own lipstick I mean, I still wore mascara, but, you know, it was a massive transition between living that life in my college years 
and, you know, kind of trying to be more, (laughs) more grown up at the same time, not even really understanding womanhood in that way. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, being 21 when I got married and having to figure all this out pretty quickly. So all that's to say high heels were not a part of the normal wear growing up. I think I was like 26 when I wore them for the first time. <laughs> How old were you? I don't, I don't remember. I mean, I wasn't uh, probably 23 or something like that. Really? 22, 23. Yeah, I don't oh, think wow. I really... No, I did have fabulous gold gold high heels for prom. I remember that. Mm. They were they were probably two and a half, three inches, nothing crazy. Yeah. But I had cowboy boots at prom. We were your typical that's fantastic. It was, in a way. Yeah, that's fantastic. We were very quintessential like lower middle class Midwestern family. It's just my mom introduced me to Princess Diana when I was five. And that just had such an, a shaping influence on me because I used to, I had a, a, as a child, I mean, this is weird. As a child, I had a subscription to Royalty Magazine and Majesty Magazine. And so I'm I didn't even know those existed. And, nine, and they're big. They're like these big, well, they might be smaller now, but back in the day they were big. Mm. Like a Perry match, you know, big. And, uh, I, you know, we're talking about like an eight, a nine, 10 year old, like flipping through the pages. What is Diana wearing this month? What changes is she making? You know, just you're a kid, you're a sponge. And yeah, yeah, I mean, that's pretty geeky, but it was just a huge influence. So what kind of an 11 year old knows what spectator pumps are? I I just, just, but, but aside from that, like everything else was just very normal and, um, not my dad wasn't blue collar, but still very like, you know, coupon clipping. Mm-hmm. I remember when we got a VCR for the mm. first time, you know, mm-hmm. it was like back in the day where you would rent your VCR every weekend if you wanted to watch movies. And I was just thinking about VCRs the other day because we were talking about skipping scenes that we don't want our children to see in movies. And right? do you remember you queuing that up with your children? Well, but do you remember when you would push it, when your parents would push the fast forward button on your VCR and you would get the mm-hmm. little strings across your, you know, your video. But sometimes if it was a really nice VCR, it'd be a really thin string. And then somebody would have to like jump in front of the television and shield, shield the eyes from seeing, you know, some sort of scene that they shouldn't see. Do you remember that? Oh, but if you had no, the old ratty VCR, it would be like the big staticky lines. Really? You don't remember this? No. Oh, man. We weren't allowed to watch anything, though, so there's probably no jumping up going uh, on okay. in my well. house. We couldn't, I mean, we couldn't watch, like, what was the sitcom that Kurt Cameron was in? We couldn't watch Growing Pains. Like oh, no, 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 no. My mom would not let us watch that. Oh, no. that's so <laughs> funny. So while Angela was taking her, you know, fashion tips from Princess Diana, I was taking fashion tips from Britney Spears. <laughs> So. And Scary Spice. Didn't you tell me that once? <laughs> scary Spice. I, okay, okay. This is, do you have a, an outfit in your mind where you wore it and immediately when you wore it, you're like, I should not have worn this, but you're stuck. Like you're at school or you're at a party and you're just so uncomfortable in what is happening right now physically on your body. <laughs> do you have a moment like uh, that? I do. It wasn't so much out of I mean, I guess it was out of 
bad decisions. It was just out of mortification. We were so broke. And we went to my brother-in-law's house. And I don't know. I don't know the situation. We just, I know we just were so broke. We just had no money. And apparently I didn't know how to shop either because I had this black ribbed t-shirt or shirt, like a sweater-ish type thing, and jean cutoffs. And I don't believe in wearing shorts, but apparently back then I did. <laughs> I was backslidden or something. <laughs> and um, I had nothing to wear to go to my brother-in-law's house. And my legs were really hairy. <laughs> and like really hairy. Again, I don't know. I don't know why. Oh, I know why. Because I used to wax my legs. And so I was growing them out. And we got invited to this barbecue and I literally, like, literally had nothing to wear except these jean shorts and this hideous shirt and these, like, gold lame, like, sandals. I used to, like, dress, like, really, my accessories used to be really, like, loud, like, from the icing. And and I had to go to this family function with, like, quarter-inch black hair all down my legs, like an Amazon, in these horrible shorts that gave me a wedgie. With this awful shirt, and I still am traumatized. I am still traumatized. I bet that was 20 years ago. That's a good (laughs) one. And that's how stubborn I would be. Like, I'd get something in my mind, like, I'm going to be somebody who waxes her legs. And I died on that hill. I wouldn't shave my legs. It sounds like that was a mistake. (laughs) Chuck that in the mistake column. I'm so glad. That is for your amusement now. Yes. Tell me yours. Yes. Okay. Tell so seventh grade, seventh grade science, a very bad day because I remember it very vividly. Maroon pleather bell bottoms. Yeah, girl. From JCPenney's silver sparkly five inch platform sneakers. Tell you what I want, what I really, really want. <laughs> and I bought Sorry. those platforms at Payless and I'm like, these are it. These are the shoes that are going to make me really something. And it was Friday. It was a Friday. And I just thought, I'm going to tear it up today. Like, I'm just going to go out swinging. It's the weekend. (laughs) I I can't. And I wore it. And into first period, I was like, I regret my decision. (laughs) I still regret it. We've, you know, we're putting okay. together the website for this podcast and we should like reproduce those outfits no. and those pictures should be on No the one website. wears platform tennis shoes anymore. I don't know if you've noticed because they're stupid <laughs> and nobody should wear them. You can't run in them. Oh, you can't run in them. Yeah. How could you? Yeah. Oh my goodness. <clears throat> so. Pleather. That, that sounds sweaty. It was sweaty pleather. and it was a thing. It was a thing until I was in high school. I had all kinds of different pleather pants, you know? What are you going to do? I don't know. You're going to buy what they sell at JCPenney's. I mean, I didn't have any Princess Diana magazines. I had Teen Beat. And Brittany was wearing pleather pants. So what are you going to do? All that's to say, I'm very much glad that we've matured in our, both of us. (laughs) Goodness. In our style, in our (laughs) abilities. We can roast chickens. Um, We can do all kinds of things now. Let's talk about the things that that we share, that we really want to make sure come across 
in this brand spanking new podcast. So I'll start. Okay. Gardening has always been something that's very much tied us together because Mm -hmm. when you have a bloom in your garden and you're so excited about it, you want to share that with somebody and you want to share it with somebody who can appreciate it. Um, And so we want to share that with you. Gardening has been something that neither of us have been able to blog about in the capacity that we've wanted to. Right. Part of that is just because, I mean, it's just meant to be something that's talked about over a cup of coffee with a friend. Like what's, what's growing in your garden. Um, And in, you know, in that same vein, grit. And because that's the, both of the, sorry, that's the type of gardener both of us are. Right. We're very much hands-on, getting dirty, you know, joke as we may about red lipstick and high heels, which we can both rock to church on Sunday fabulously. Saturday morning, you'll find us in sneakers and torn up jeans with bandanas over our head, hauling Mm -hmm. (laughs) buckets of gravel and pulling out weeds and braiding (laughs) onions. And there's definitely a yin and a yang to what we want to share. Because no one is really one dimensional. You know, we've all got different parts to our personality. So our love of gardening and our love of that, dare I say, get her done kind of farming Mm -hmm. mentality is something that we really hope to share with you throughout the course of this podcast. The grit is something I I absolutely love about you because it you know, you don't often find someone that has that just rah, tenacity and, you know, like you were saying, as far as like the workload, you know, I'll go out there and just kill it and come in just shaking. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I, I see that in you and I love that. And, you know, as far as like gardening, writing about gardening on our blogs, it, it can be done, but neither you or I have the desire to be DIY bloggers. Right. And so you can only wax poetic (laughs) so much, you know, in writing. And I think both of us probably in the future would like to write a gardening book. So maybe we want to save all our juicy bits for the book. And so we're going to just talk about gardens. There you go. On the podcast. Right. But yeah, you're not going to see a blog post like how to grow the perfect red tomato or, you know, it's just not something that we're interested in. And frankly, they're going to be people who do it a lot better than we would anyway so right right (laughs) what we hope to share about gardening is just the love of gardening like go out and mm -hmm. make a garden um but that's going to be a fun one to expand on I think in this form I think we are going to um have some really special moments uh as we talk about the love for our families Mm, sure both of us have many years of marriage under our belt we have like you said 10 years 10 children between the two of us and we each have a skill set that we could take out into the world and we could be total career moms and we choose to be home with our family and serve them in this space and we've been very blessed to still be able to be uh, career moms but but stay-at-home moms and we both have such a passion for creating a really um, intentional environment and cultivating a home that's warm and cozy and beautiful and giving that gift to our children in particular so they can take those memories and those skill sets and those the disciplines that do come in creating that environment into their adulthood. And that's something I'm going to really enjoy is 
talking about our families and learning more about each other's families, sharing with our audience about them. Yeah, that's going to be a fun. That's going to be fun. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Angela and I are both homeschooling moms. And there's a lot that we want to share about that. That is just, frankly, I'm going to say, I think it's pretty boring to blog about. It's really fun to talk about. And so we get asked all the time, what does your schedule look like? What kind of curriculum do you use? And let me tell you, I've done everything wrong because I'm an un- I call myself an unintentional homeschool mom because my husband was a teacher at a classical Christian school and I was going to have the best situation because the kids were going to go there with free tuition and he was going to be there all day to handle any kind of issue that they had. And I was just going to sit home and garden and be awesome all day. And that is not the way that things worked out for us. <laughs> I wouldn't change it. He's home now and we love him being home with us daily. But homeschooling wasn't a decision that we made until it sort of landed in our lap. And that's going to be a really fun piece to talk about mm-hmm. because neither of us have expanded on that very much No, in other forms. And I think it's similar where we don't want to be the presenter like here's how to assemble your curriculum you no, know that's here's boring. To we we don't want to do that but let's we can talk about the the real parts of it and the ups and downs and the beautiful and the ugly we can right. do that all day long right and we can share what we, have, we do right right we each have a love for food ooh ooh and i think that's going to be an exquisite, there's a word for you, mm-hmm. an exquisite part of this podcast because we are both very passionate about food. Yes, we are. We cook it. We eat it. We grow it. We just we slather it. ourselves in it. <laughs> there's a word for you. Slather. Slather. I could have slathered myself in that meal we had in Atlanta. Can we talk about Ooh, the Atlanta about dining that. experience? So Angela and I have the a name little... of the restaurant? I don't. Because you Nico? reserved it. You were like a fine Nico? gentleman who <laughs> made me these beautiful reservations and just swept me off my feet and took me to this fabulous French dinner. Come on, baby. Get in my Uber. We're going out for dinner. <laughs> we started with champagne, as all good meals do. And that was yes. a tradition that you turned me on to that I had never experienced before. But now, anytime I'm fine dining, it always starts with a glass of champagne. I love that. Good. Mm-hmm. I love that. And it's nice because we do that. Um, I mean, our French friends do that as an aperitif just to, you know, alcohol gets your appetite going. And so, um, but when you go to a restaurant and that happened to us that night and it's busy, then you're not just standing in the bar awkwardly. You can hold a beautiful glass and yes. wait for your table. That was fabulous. We it ordered uh, base, correct? Yes, we did. Yes, Both we of did. us ordered that same thing. Do you remember our appetizers exactly? Uh, Obviously, I only too. remember the big one. You, What was the other one, though? Oysters? I don't remember. I don't remember. There was a lot of fabulous you, food consumed in that. Did you do oysters and base? We did a lot. We closed that place down. We literally closed it down. The last patrons to leave. Good, sir. And if you're in Atlanta, you really should go. It is a beautiful restaurant. They can't go because we don't remember the name. Bistro Nico. Bistro Nico. Nico. Bistro Nico. Yep. Uh, I had the distinct pleasure of being in the same room with you as you experienced 
foie gras for the first time. Mm. I had with no a corresponding sauterne, right? Yes. Did we have the right? We picked a wine we to go did. with it. We did. Never eaten <sighs> it before. I didn't know what to expect, to be honest with you. I just thought liver. I've had chicken liver, pig liver, cow liver. I'm thinking goose liver is going to be pretty similar, right? Mm-hmm. But I take a bite of this. And the best thing I can liken it to is when you have that really charred, yummy, fatty bit on the edge of a steak, but it's like kind of gristly so you can't chew it. It tastes like charred fat in the very best way possible, but it melts in your mouth like butter. I mean, it just dissolves away. And I'm not even being dramatic. Sometimes I can be dramatic. My husband tells me this is not dramatic. I cried. I cried. It was so good. She did. Your eyes, when when the butter aspect came to you, you went like, like <laughs> they, they can't they can't see what I just did, but but you you like you started, you know you yeah it was it was apparent you were not expecting that no and it was a shock. I think we had all the goodness with it, so we had the fig mm-hmm. and the sea salt and the pepper and the toast point mm-hmm. and the sauterne. Mm-hmm. Now yeah. listen, this is not how we eat every day. This was our no. one meal out for the year where we got to just live it up. But day to day, we're just cooking for our families. And it's breakfast, lunch, and dinner for a bunch of people. But there are elements of that that you can bring into your everyday life that just make, frankly, it much more beautiful. So we talk about this a lot on our blogs, this beautifying the ordinary. Because Mm -hmm. of our love for food, I want to enjoy a Tuesday breakfast in the same way that I would enjoy a nice, you know, Friday night dinner out at a French restaurant. And so finding ways to take that love of food and channel it into really just everyday enjoyment. I'm excited to talk about how we do that more and how we can share that with people more. Yes. And I think that that's really going to be, well, it is a corresponding theme and it will be where we do take just something, we each have this passion for taking something and just tweaking it, adding something, raising the bar just a little, or or yeah. sprinkling, you know, whether it's our, our wardrobe choice and it's a selection of a unique pair of shoes or earrings, or whether it's a Tuesday morning breakfast, what can we do? Well, we can fry a really nice cut of bacon and we can use beautiful dishes. You know, there's always something... That where you can go in and bless that situation with creativity and with beauty. And I think that's what our listeners are going to experience here mm-hmm. is our ideas on that. Oh, yeah. Should we talk mm. about all things European? For six hours. <laughs> <laughs> I fell in love with Europe. I was completely unexposed to it growing up. Not a part of the culture. Had no context for it whatsoever. Until I went backpacking through Europe when I was 21 and I went through France and Italy and Spain and had the time of my life and fell over just with the gardens and the displays and the food and the Mm -hmm. culture and the smell of cigarettes and the old churches. And I mean, that was it. That was 12 years ago now. And I mean... What, what can you say? It's my love. It's my, 
it's my passion. It's, it's everything we're trying to develop here. When people come, they say, oh, that looks European. And I say, okay, mission accomplished. That's what we were hoping for. <laughs> it's, it's what I love to cultivate. You know, one of my friends said the other day, I realized I'm not taking gardening advice from anybody who doesn't have a British accent. And I thought, you know, I've actually never heard Tasha Tudor speak. So ditto. <laughs> true. It's true. It's true. Um, we have an affinity for things old. And in our country, especially where I am on the West Coast, I mean, we're as new as New World gets over here. Things just don't have the history that a lot of Europe has or even the East Coast of America has. And so we're constantly trying to glean. And when I find myself aesthetically drawn to things, it's usually, you know, kind of British, Scandinavian northern France sort of a feel to it and I think you know that's initially what drew me to your blog because you were doing what I was trying to do in my head but couldn't execute yet at that point Hmm. you know it's so funny when you said cigarettes it made me laugh because you have you know you have so many um smells associated with memories memories associated with smells rather and I love the smell of a freshly lit cigarette and diesel Paris because it makes me think of Paris if I smell a UPS truck or a bus or even a garbage truck in town I'm like oh take me back I love this yeah and and you know not a smoker but you walk by the cafes and you smell that smoke and so those two aromas Mm -hmm. if you want to call them that always remind me of Paris and the first time we went I was 25 I was so afraid to travel in high school. I mean, really not encouraged to do a lot of extracurricular things in high school. Um, My French class went to France. I was too afraid to fly. Nobody tried to talk me out of it kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. So I didn't go. Uh, And then right before I met Joel, I was looking at a nanny position in Switzerland. And it got really close to, to a job. But I don't know. I don't remember what happened. It fell through. So at 25, I saved for a year in this scrappy little white envelope. Just every time I could, you know, get a little extra money at the grocery store in the checkout lane, I would put the money in there. And I came to Joel about a year later and I said, I have enough for our airfare. We're doing this. We're taking French lessons at the local high school and we're doing this. And I studied the maps of that city like a maniac for a year so that I wouldn't have to use maps when I got there <laughs> and such I a you so thing to proud. do I was so proud of that we got off the plane we got went through the RER came into you know on the metro the hotel everything never had to look at a map I was just like I own this place <laughs> that is funny because when I flew I flew in to Paris I got off the tram I got into the airport and I realized my cell phone doesn't work here. I don't have any French money. I don't have any euros. Uh, Mm -hmm. I don't know how to get anywhere. And we just stood in the airport for about two hours trying to figure out what we were going to do. Oh, boy. (laughs) We could have used you in our travels, Angela. Yes, for sure. I remember coming up the stairs. We were right at the Luxembourg Gardens and we came up the stairs out of the metro And I just sort of looked around and everyone was dressed nice. And there was an art exhibit attached to the iron gates around the garden. And I just thought, this is, this sounds so (laughs) 
egotistical. <laughs> but I just thought this place was made for me. This oh, is gosh. amazing. I don't yes. think that the worst. Yes, but Paris that's the was built for thought. you. Paris was built for me. It's all about me. <laughs> that is what I thought. I thought I I didn't know this was even a thing. Like to look nice and walk through the park and every you know the Parisians they're outside. I love to be outdoors and they're outdoors they're just always out always at parks we came home and you you know you're driving home and you see all these empty parks nobody's on the street corner nobody's enjoying the parks the park benches are empty and it's just so yeah not not like that yeah there was a piece of it that spoke to you and I love finding those things in life where it it does scratch an itch in your heart that Mm -hmm. you didn't know was itchy Right. How's that for poetic? That was beautiful. You're welcome. Well, we, this has been an awesome hour already. And frankly, we're ready to tear it up with you. We're ready to talk about food. We're ready to talk about Paris. We're ready to talk about home decor and gardening and homeschooling and tell terrible stories about our leg hair with you. So (laughs) (laughs) We hope you have enjoyed this first little powwow session with Angela and myself. We are very excited to have many more about gardening, about food, about home decor, about frankly, whatever we want to talk about. So welcome to the Homemaker Chic podcast where online friends can be real and valuable. And we are glad that you are one of ours. Oh, that's fantastic. It's all sappy. I'm all sappy. The first one is over. Well, here's what we need you to do. We need you to rate the podcast because that's uh, what Spotify and iTunes and everything loves. So be sure to give us a fabulous rating if you enjoyed our time together. And be sure to visit our new website, homemakerchicpodcast.com, where you can check out our new Patreon account. That's how you can be a part of this podcast. We have special perks for our fellow chic homemakers. So Homemaker Chic Podcast, you'll find our Patreon and you can check that out there. And then, of course, visit Shay's beautiful blog at the elliothomestead.com and you can visit parisianfarmgirl.com if you can spell it. <laughs> Good we'll luck. Leave that to you. <laughs> Good luck. Also, <laughs> make sure to check us out on Instagram, Homemaker Chic Podcast. We would love it if, as you're going through your day with your food, with your homeschooling, whatever you're doing, if it's a beautiful tulip, take a moment, enjoy it, take a picture, and tag us, Homemaker Chic Podcast, or use hashtag Homemaker Chic so that we can unite with homemakers all around the world who are donning their red lipstick and living it up. <laughs>